Take our Bibles, go to Third John. Third John. Book of Third John. I want to say thank you very much for that surprise. I appreciate it. Um, and I also want to say, you know, it is it's an honor and it's a privilege to be a pastor, but it is truly a great honor and a great privilege to be the pastor of Shiretown Baptist Church. And I appreciate every one of you, and uh, I'm glad to be here, and I'm, I'm thankful to the Lord uh, often that he has called us here in our family, and that you mean a lot to us, so thank you very much for that. Third John, uh, we're, we've been really getting closer and closer to the end of this epistle, and there's still a lot to be learned. And uh, I've learned a lot just studying through it, and I pray that you have as well, um, but through the example of Gaius and Diotrephes, we've seen how we should conduct ourselves as believers, but also as church members. And Christians, they, sh- they should act like Christians, amen? amen? Christians should act like Christians. And I know that's not necessarily popular these days. Uh, we don't like being told what to do. We don't like uh, being told that we should be a certain way. But the Bible is very clear about how we should uh, conduct ourselves, so we should listen to it. But uh, thus far we've seen that a great church member is spiritually healthy. Uh, they are spiritually prosperous, to, and again, that just simply means that they, they love the Word of God, they desire to know more about the Word of God. Uh, they're a godly example. They are a joy to pastor. We've seen that they are hospitable, and last week we saw that they are selfless. And a church membership, as I've mentioned many times throughout the series, it's very important. And a to be a church member is a high calling. And because of that, and because of the fact that Jesus Christ died for us, we should take service to him very seriously. We should take uh, service to him in the local church very seriously. We should strive to do our best because of what Christ did for us. And anytime we talk about uh, being a great church member and, and what it means to serve Christ, it doesn't circle back to uh, really what we should do because of the fact that this is a church, but it has to do because of what Christ did for you. We do what we do because of what Christ has done for us. Uh, And we should take it very seriously. But today we're going to see that a great church member is edifying. They're edifying. And they improve. They uplift the church. And they improve and uplift those within it. But they also allow themselves to be edified. They allow themselves to be built up. So we'll see what that means this morning. But we know from last week that this man, Diotrephes, he was very self-centered. And therefore, automatically, he would be the very opposite of being an edifying church member. He would tear down with his actions. He would tear down with his attitude. And worst of all, probably, he would tear down with his words. And we're going to see that not only did Diotrephes not edify other people, but he also did not allow himself to be edified. So let's read 3 John, verse 10. The Bible says, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. So let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for this wonderful day that you've blessed us with. I thank you for all the people here that have uh, decided to be in your house and to hear from your word. I pray that you'll just be honored and glorified in everything that's said and done. I pray, Lord, that uh, the preaching of your word this morning will not fall into fears, but that we will uh, hear and heed what you have to say. I pray that you will uh, just help us, Lord, to 
not just hear what's said, but to, to change according to how you would have us change, Lord, because we need you. We need to be obedient. I pray that you'll be with me as I, I preach the word. I pray you'll help me to say everything just exactly how you want me to say it, and that you'll just uh, work through me despite my uh, weaknesses and uh, just my sin, Lord. I pray that you'll just uh, do a great work in spite of me, Lord, through your word. I pray that uh, you'll just be with those that are here, Lord. I, I have no doubt that there's somebody here this morning that's never trusted you as their personal Savior. They're still uh, living in sin, and uh, they're on their way to hell, Lord. I pray that today will be the day that they call upon you for salvation, and that they will uh, repent from their sins and be gloriously saved. I pray that you'll just draw them and, and convict them of their need for you. And I pray that you'll be with those that are sick and not able to be with us this morning. I think specifically of Evelyn. I pray that you'll just give her healing, as I know she'd be here if she could. Uh, but God, we just pray that you'll work uh, as your word is preached this morning in your holy name. Amen. And from that verse, we learn, uh, verse 10, we learn that Diotrephes, he did not receive the brethren, which we kind of talked about that last week. He casted out believers from the church that did receive John and his associates in hospitality. Uh, and he also maliciously spoke evil of John and other people. And that is going to be the focus of the message today, is edifying and being edified in our speech. So consider this morning, church, are you an edifier? But not just that, are you somebody that can be edified? And we're going to look more into what that means this morning. But John says in our text, in verse 10, he says the deeds of Diotrephes, and, and he starts off by saying he doeth. Look at it again. In verse 10, wherefore if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth. That right there, that is written in the present tense, informing us that the words to follow were a continual and habitual action that was performed by Diotrephes. And what he was doing was the very opposite of edifying the church. So what was he doing? Well, look again what it says in verse 10. Wherefore if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he, which he doeth. And what did he do? Prating against us with malicious words. And that word prating is very interesting. It simply means to utter nonsense. It means to talk idly, to make empty charges. It means, it really, it carries a meaning of uh, bubbling up or boiling over, and it's used to describe uh, words that are empty, and it signifies one that is talking big bubbles of words. It's a, a metaphor that's taken from pots that are boiling over with bubbles and with foam. And listen, unless you're a child, you know that bubbles are useless. And so were the words of Diotrephes. They were useless. So his words were as useless as bubbles and as foam that boiled over from a pot while cooking a meal. That's what John is saying here. They're useless. But not only that, not only were his words useless... And full of empty charges, they were malicious, it says. That means that they were evil, they were bad, they were wicked, and uh, his words were really depraved. They were spoken in an evil nature. And these words, they were spoken against John and against others that were uh, like him and his associates. And in short, Diotrephes, he accused John and he accused other people unjustly. He said evil things, he lied, he made empty charges against these men, he slandered them. Instead of building up people in the church, he tore them down. Now the exact nature of the slanders is unknown, 
But listen, regardless of what the slander looked like, slander of any type is despicable in the eyes of God. And as children of God, the way that we speak of other people, not just to other people, but of other people, it matters a great deal to God. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. The Bible's not silent on how we speak of other people. There's a lot of verses that we could go to 100 places, but look at Proverbs chapter 6. And look at verse 16. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture, but I want to point out something here. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Now, those seven sins that are written, church, are despicable and detestable to God. But I want to point out that that three of these seven sins that are detestable to God, it has to do with how we speak of other people. Look again at verse 17. It says here in verse 17, a proud look, and look what it says, a lying tongue. Somebody that's speaking lies. God hates it. Look at verse 19 again. The beginning, it says right there, a false witness that speaks lies. God hates it. But also look at, and what it says in the latter part of verse 19, it says, And he, that so with discord among the brethren. And that, that just simply means somebody that starts rumors. So again, how we are speaking of other people. Three of the, the seven sins that God dis- detests, it has to do with how we speak of other people. So God, he hates this. Now, Diotrephes, he was guilty of this. Now, I want you to know this morning that when God despises a sin... There's a reason for it. There is a reason why sins are sins. God did not just uh, write down on a piece of paper a bunch of things and and put them in a hat and decide, oh, this is a sin. He did not uh, just decide one day to flip a coin and see uh, what would be a sin and what he would hate. There is a reason why certain sins are sins. There's reasons why he hates certain things. And the reason, church, that he hates gossip and the reason that he hates slander is because, in part, it, it yields devastating results. Now, I'm sure many of you have seen the results of slander. You've seen the results of uh, not edifying other people. You've seen the results of people tearing other people down. Uh, I know many of you have had stories, even in churches, and that's very unfortunate. It shouldn't be that way. But it does many awful things. Slander and gossip, it does many awful things, several of which, by the way, are written about in Scripture. Now, we already saw from Proverbs chapter 6 that slander and gossip, it sows discord. It causes division. But let's go to Proverbs chapter 16. Go to Proverbs chapter 16, and we'll see more. Not only does slander and gossip sow discord and cause division, Proverbs chapter 16 Verse 28, look at what it says here. Verse 28, it says, A forward man soweth strife, and a whisperer, or a gossiper, or a slanderer, separateth cheap friends. Look, it destroys friendships. So, 
slander, it, it just sows discord, it causes division, it destroys friendships. But also look at chapter 18 of Proverbs and look at verse 8. Verse 8, it says, the words of a talebearer, and again, I will say, uh, the words of a slanderer or a gossiper are the wounds as they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. They are as wounds. So it also leaves deep wounds. Slander and gossip, it, it sows discord, it causes division, it destroys friendship, it leaves deep wounds. But also look at Proverbs chapter 22 and look at verse 10. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 10. It says in verse 10, Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Now a scorner, again, it's a gossiper, it's a slanderer. Uh, so what does that do? Uh, it, it destroys friendship, it leaves deep wounds, it sows discord, it causes division, but it also leads to conflict. Slander and gossip does not edify, it does not build up. And by the way, uh, gossip and slander, it is so damaging and a lot of times, when that damage is done, it cannot be fixed. There's a story that I've heard told different ways, but it always ends in the same lesson. Maybe you've heard the story before, but I think it's very fitting for this. Uh, there was a church member one time that misunderstood what, uh, a pat, what, what she had seen in the church. So, uh, as a result of this, she began spreading rumors about this pastor and this church. And this rumor, of course, it made its way through the congregation. And then naturally after that, it made its way through the town. And the pastor's reputation was severely damaged. And before long, that, that lady, she realized and found out that the rumor that she had started was false. And it wasn't right. And she was very sorrowful, which she should have been, uh, for what she had done. So she went to the pastor and she asked him, how can I rectify the situation? And uh, again, this was years ago. And what he said was this. He said, go home. And get one of your feather pillows and bring it to this hill that's in this town. And she was surprised by the pastor's response, but she followed his advice because she was so sorrowful for what she had done. So she went to her home, got her feather pillow, brought it to the hill. And when she got to the hill, she told the, pa uh, the pastor told her, take the pillow and take this knife, gave her a knife, and said, and, and cut it open and pull out all the feathers and just, just throw them everywhere. Again, she was confused by it, but she did it anyway. And the, the feathers were blowing all over the place. They were blowing into the woods down at the bottom of the hill and, and just all over the place. And after a few minutes, the pastor said to her, Now I want you to go and find every one of those feathers and bring them back and put them into the pillow. And she said, Well, that's impossible. I can't do that. It's, it's scattered all through the woods and all through the field. There's no way I could ever find them all and retrieve them all and get them back. And the pastor simply replied, and that is exactly what happens when you gossip or slander somebody. Once you say something, they fly from one person's mouth to another person's mouth, and just like those feathers that blew in the wind, once you say them, you can never get them all back. So it's damaging, and, and it cannot be fixed. But this is why, well, one reason why God hates slander. This is one reason why God hates gossip, because it's damaging. And by the way, because it was so damaging, that was uh, one of the reasons why John, if he was able to return to this church, he was going to deal with Theotrephes. Let's go back to our text in 3 John. Look again at verse 10. John knew how damaging this was. So he was going to deal with Theotrephes if he was able to see him. Look at verse 10. 
It says in verse 10, he says, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth. And again, we know what his deeds were. He says, if I come. And the reason he said, if I come, is because at his age, he really could only hope. <laughs> he was pushing 90, and there would be no quick way of transportation. Again, they didn't have vehicles. He couldn't call an Uber or anything like that. He had to uh, deal with the way that they did back then, with donkeys or horses or whatever it may have been, or even walking. So there was no quick way for him to get there. But if he was able to come, he said, I will remember what he's done. And I will deal with it accordingly. And listen, church, this sin, it could not be ignored. Because it's destructive. And it had to be dealt with. And and by the way, because slander uh, within the church, it hurts the church, it had to be addressed. And it's very unfortunate today, but very few churches deal with sin. As John was going to do here. But to allow things like this to slide, it will only cause more damage on the road. So the sin of lying, the sin of slander and gossip, it's not only hated by God, and it's not only damaging because of its effects, but it's also awful because of who it ultimately comes from. Go to John chapter 8. Go to the Gospel of John chapter 8. Chapter 8 of John. Look at verse 44. Jesus is speaking here to these religious leaders and these Pharisees. And uh, in verse 44, it says, Jesus said here, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not, which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do ye not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words, ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. So these religious leaders of Jesus' day, they lied about who Jesus was, and therefore they were denying his deity, and he tells them that they are as their spiritual father, which is the devil. Their desires matched Satan's desires. They wanted to kill Jesus. They wanted to deceive. And that's exactly what they were trying to do. And uh, we know that Satan, according to that passage, Satan, he's not only a liar, but he's the father of lies. So in this, we know that all slander and all lies in any form, church, listen, it comes from Satan himself. And this, for this reason, this is why a believer must stay away from slander and stay away from gossip. And I want you to know this morning, if you have slandered somebody and you have gossiped about somebody and you have hurt them in that way, if you're a child of God, you need to go to them and forgive them or ask for forgiveness. You need to go to them. I don't care if it was 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. If you have not reconciled that believer, then you are not right with God and you need to go to them and fix it. James chapter 3, verse 16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. In short, church, slander and lying is demonic. It's of Satan. It is not of God. Now, many of you here, maybe you don't have a problem with slandering and speaking evil of other people. I know, just as well as anybody, that it is very easy to fall into that. But even easier than slandering and gossip And listen close to this. Even easier than slandering and gossip is just simply listening to it. How often do we listen to slander about another person or maybe even agree with it? How often do we 
hear gossip from somebody else and tolerate it. Again, it's so easy to do that. But do not tolerate it and do not participate in it. You need to flee from it. You need to see it for what it is. It's demonic. It's evil. It's, it's of Satan. And you need to, to flee from it. But with that being said, those that are marked by malicious slander uh, and words that are lies, if they, if they say they're a Christian they do that, they are not proving that they have saving faith. Because lying and slander, uh, it is a characteristic of a lost man. Again, it's a characteristic of Satan. It is a characteristic of a child of Satan. So look, who is your spiritual father? Is it God or is it Satan? It's one or the other. And by the way, if you're a child of God, then you are going to manifest the characteristics of your father. And if it's God, you are going to behave like God doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but God is going to be continually doing a work in your life. But if your spiritual father is Satan, then you're going to manifest his characteristics. So do you have saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you seen your need for Christ as you stand before a holy and perfect God being the sinful and weak human that you are? Look, if you've not done that, then look, he is calling you to trust on Him today. He is calling you to turn from your sin and to turn to Christ because of the fact that your sin is an offense to God and it has put you at odds with Him. You need to repent and be saved. And I want you to know, I say this a lot, but I can't stress it enough. Knowing of Jesus is not enough. Believing that God exists is far from saving faith. We know that the devils believe and they do tremble. And as one Puritan wrote, knowledge without repentance will be but a torch to light men to hell. Hey, listen, you need to repent and be saved. You need to turn to Christ. And, and true faith in the work of Christ on the cross, it will lead us to hate our sin and in turn love God as He is our spiritual Father. So is He your spiritual Father? Have you repented of your sins and been saved. But if you are a child of God, you need to understand that perpetual slander and gossip is not a mark of a true believer, and if you're a child of God, you need to avoid it at all costs. But by looking at the examples of the Bible, we can come to understand another reason why slander and gossip is so terrible. And again, Diotrephes was guilty of this. Not only does God hate it, not only does it do great damage, not only does it originate from Satan, but the intent of partaking in slander period involves... Pride, which, by the way, is another thing that God hates, according to Proverbs chapter 6. And we know that God resists the proud, amen, and he gives grace to the humble. But again, this was the case with Diotrephes. He was prideful. Again, remember how we've looked at the fact that he loved to have the preeminence. He always wanted to be first. He was full of pride and he was self-seeking. Let's go back to 3 John and see that again in verse 9. Just to remind you of what he was like, he was a selfish person. He was very prideful. And look at verse 9. As John says in verse 9, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. He loved to have the preeminence. He loved to be number one. He wanted to look great. He wanted to stand out. He wanted everybody to look to him. And see how awesome he was. And surely nothing makes one feel better about themselves than to slander somebody else. But slander 
and lies are almost always spoken in order to advance oneself in the eyes of others. It's pride. And we see this in the Bible all over the place. I mean, why did Haman try to deceive the king in the book of Esther? He wanted to do that for his own self-advancement. Why did Ananias and Sapphira, as Christians preached about not too long ago, why did they lie about the offering that they gave in the book of Acts? Because of pride. They wanted to be elevated in the eyes of other men. Why did the religious leaders of Jesus' day constantly lie and constantly slander him, as we saw here, because of jealousy and pride? They could not do what he was doing, and they hated him for it. And Jesus Christ himself, he was even put on trial, and the entire case was built on lies and false witnesses. Why? Because of pride, because of these religious leaders. So we know that the slander of Diotrephes was rooted in pride, again, just from our text. Look at verse 10 again. He says, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words. And look what it says. And he's not even content just to, to, to pray against us with malicious words. It says, And not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren. And he forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Diotrephes wasn't content to just speak evil of people and to tear down with his words. He refused to do what was right. He refused to receive the brethren in hospitality. And he punished people in the church that did what was right. And he forbade people from coming to church that showed hospitality to John. He just threw out anybody that didn't, didn't agree with him. He just cast them out of the church. Get out of here. You don't agree with me? You're done. That's basically what he was doing. Diotrephes, he wanted to be treated like a local pope and just have everything go through him. But behind his malicious words and his slander, and his actions, it was pride. But listen, church, we are called to do the opposite as children of God. Our words should never be slanderous. It should never be malicious. It should never be useless. And let me just say this, it should never be self-glorifying either. A godly church member, they look to edify, they look to build up the church with their words. And as you're here this morning, you may... Uh, be here and, and hearing all this and considering this message and you may be thinking, okay, I, I don't really slander. I don't gossip. I really try hard not to even listen to it. I really do strive to flee from it. And if that's the case, and praise God, that's wonderful. But there's more. <laughs> do you use your words to edify though? You know, you can avoid slanderous talk and still speak useless words that do nothing like bubbles boiling over in a pot. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11, it says that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. Proverbs 15, 23 says a, spoken, uh, a word spoken in due season, how good is it? You know, there is beauty in well-chosen words. But Diotrephes, he didn't care about that. He was not an edifier. He was not uh, looking to do that which right, was right and to say things to edify. But listen, he also could not be edified. Now John, he did look to edify Diotrephes in the truth. There were, whatever it was that was going on with John and Diotrephes, he did look to go to him and to try to figure this thing out. But again, look at verse 9, what he says. He says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, again, implying that he ignored this letter, whatever it was, and he says, who loved to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. He couldn't be edified. 
Now, each of us in this church, we should look to be edifiers, and we should be capable of being edified, but this was not the way with Diotrephes, but it is to be the way of believers here at this church, and every believer. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And this is a very well-known verse, but it really speaks to what our text is telling us. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 29. He says, Paul writes here, and he says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, Paul says, avoid words that are corrupt. And that means, again, useless, empty, and evil words, just as the words that were proceeding out of the mouth of Diotrephes. So he says, avoid these useless words, avoid these corrupt words, and Paul says instead to use words that are edifying. Now look, a lot of times when we think of edifying, we think it just means warm and fuzzy talk that makes us feel good. But that's not always the case. Now sometimes an edifying word is an encouraging word. Maybe uh, somebody tells you that you're doing a good job for, for some task that you completed. That, that could be an edifying uh, word, but that's not exactly what this is saying here. The word edifying in that text, in this, word, in this verse here, verse 29, it means to build up. And by the way, it is the act of one promoting another believer in Christian growth, in wisdom, in piety, in holiness, and Christian happiness. So this means, church, that the edifying of another believer at times, it may be painful, and it might be words that are hard to take. Because sometimes you have to cut down in order to build up. So this morning, I want you to just consider this. Can you be edified? It's very clear to see from Diotrephes that he could not be edified because of his pride. Again, John, he tried to edify him in the truth, whatever this was, and what did he do? He lashed out with malicious words. He was prating against them. He had false accusations thrown at them. I'm afraid that the majority of people in churches today, I'm not saying necessarily in this church, but the majority of people in churches today are like Diotrephes in this way. You know, some of you here this morning, if somebody was to go to you in Christian love and tell you of something in your life that they see is clearly wrong and against the word of God, you would act like Diotrephes. You would lash out maliciously. And in many cases, if I were to go to you, again, in Christian love and try to edify you in the truth of Scripture, and not my opinion, not my thoughts, not my feelings, but Scripture as your pastor, because it's very clear that you're not living in obedience and your priorities are all wrong and it's not consistent with that of a true believer, you would be offended. You'd act like Diotrephes. If I were to go to you with a heavy heart, and express to you a loving concern that your child that claims to know Christ are manifesting the fruits of darkness instead of the, the, the fruits of the Spirit of God, and therefore I am fearful of their eternal state, you would leave the church. 
Why? Because you don't want to be edified. You would rather be told lies. But we all need the truth. You need the truth. You see what we're doing here this morning with preaching? That is edification. What is it that I need to fix? It's edifying. It's, it's promoting Christian growth. It's promoting holiness. So look, instead of when we hear something, whether it's in preaching or another brother and sister in Christ comes lovingly to us to try to steer us in the right direction, uh, instead of being carnal and getting offended and acting like Diotrephes, we should instead thank God for them. Look, what kind of parent would I be if I allowed my children to just play with knives or to run around a hot stove or uh, run close to a cliff that has a big drop without warning them of the dangers and protecting them from it. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be a very good one. And some people would say, oh, well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want to make them upset by pointing out the danger and ruining their fun. That's nonsense. In our society today, we're so worried about offending people that we do a very poor job of edifying one another to holiness and godliness and Christian wisdom. You know what the Bible tells us in Proverbs? It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Hey, listen, you need a friend, and you need a church full of friends that are willing to wound you every once in a while. And the mark of a true friend is that they would be willing to wound us with loving correction. And the correction, it may not feel good, just like actual Wounds, but it's an expression of love and faithfulness that will lead you to Christ's likeness. You know what? Truly, one of the best friends I have, besides my wife, is the one that tells me the truth. Man, listen, if I'm acting carnal, he'll tell me. Look, flattery is not going to do you any good. The Bible tells in Proverbs 26, a flattering tongue worketh ruin. And the best friend that you will ever have is a friend that will tell you the truth. So when confronted lovingly about a sin or a genuine concern, it's unfortunate, but many people would act like Diotrephes. Again, it's rooted in pride. How dare they say that about me? How dare they? But our reaction should be more closely aligned with David as he was confronted by Nathan about his sin. Let's go and look at that there in 2 Samuel chapter 12. A lot of times we, we give David a hard time because of what he did. But you know, when he was confronted about his sin, he did the right thing. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 12. Start with verse 7. Actually, let's start with verse 1. Look at verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 12. It says, And the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came unto him and said, Unto him, there were two men in one city, the one was rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing, save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished up. And it grew up together with him, and with his children, it did eat of his own meat, and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock, and of his own herd, to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him 
but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And he's saying here, Nathan's saying here, that uh, uh, somebody has nothing, he has somebody come along that has everything, and he takes this poor man's lamb. He said, and he's kind of just kind of playing along with him here and, and saying, man, what should we do about this? And look at verse 5. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And look at verse 6. It says, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. I'm going to stop there. David heard about this terrible thing that this man had done and he was enraged. How dare they do such a thing? They need to pay. Look what Nathan said in verse 7. And Nathan said to David, thou art the man. <laughs> Let me stop there for a moment. Everybody else's sin is always worse than ours. Hey, you need to hate your sin. You need to hate your sin. Look again at verse 7. Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel and delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and my master's wife into thy bosom and gave her, I gave thee the house of Israel of, and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore, Hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from mine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. You stole Uriah's wife, and you killed him. Look at verse 11. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemy of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto the house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. And David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted, and went in, and lay all night upon the earth. You know, the majority of people, if they were confronted by Nathan the way that David was confronted, the reaction would be anger, malicious words like diatrophies, and self-preservation. But what did David do? He listened, he confessed, he repented, and he sought to make things right with God. Look, we need to be willing to be edified. Diotrephes, he didn't want to be edified. John, again, John tried to edify him, he tried to write him, he ignored it, and then he goes on this rampage. He was true, too proud to be corrected. And listen, church, if you, you're too proud to be corrected, then that's going to stunt your spiritual growth. If you're too proud, as you walk in here to hear the preaching of the word, and you just walk out these doors and you're like, whatever, you're proud. And you're not going to grow spiritually. If you're too proud to hear another believer in Christ try to edify you in the truth, you're not going to grow spiritually. Right. But also like Nathan and like John, we need to be willing to edify others, to speak the truth in love. Diotrephes did not do this. He spoke useless words full of slander and lies. Now I do want to say... 
church, and, and we need to be careful of this. This does not mean that we go around policing people. It's not, I'm not saying that. But there's, if there's an obvious danger in somebody's life, then we should edify them. You know, there are other ways that we can edify. Uh, we can edify one another by helping keep each other accountable in our Bible reading, like Paul does during Sunday school. That's edifying. That helps. We can also help each other in our prayer life and, and be accountable to witnesses. We can build one another up in these ways, among others. So consider this morning, do you edify? And are you able to be edified? How we use our words, they really do matter. Now, I just want to say one more thing before we wrap this up. In regards to being slandered, again, as John was, he was slandered. You will have times in your life, and you probably already have, where... People, whether they're lost or they're saved, they slander you. So what, what do you do? Oh man, they're slandering. What am I supposed to do? Well, for starters, like John, what you need to do is you need to go to them with a, a right spirit and a clean heart before God. Now, if it's something, if you got slandered 35 years ago, then I'm sorry, but you need to get over it. If it happened years and years ago, you need to move on from it and you need to forgive them and not allow bitterness to overtake you. Uh, but you need to move on from it. But look, if it's something that's presently happening, like it was with John, again, he doeth. It's presently going on. If it's something that's presently, presently happening right now, then lovingly go to them with the right heart. But then, no matter how it plays out, no matter what they do, never, ever retaliate. Look, do as Christ did, or rather what he said, and bless them that curse you. And we know that Jesus Christ, he did that as he bled to death on the cross. You remember when there were men below him and they were mocking and scoffing him. What did he do? What were his words? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So don't retaliate. But truly, to be an edifying Christian, it's one that's careful with their words. And if we do that, we can better point people to Christ. To be a Christian that is capable of being edified is to be a believer that is able to become more like Christ. Oh, look, may this church be full of Christians that avoid slander, but instead edify and speak the things of God. And may we also allow the Lord to use uh, other people in this church to lovingly correct us into Christ's likeness. And may we do that for one another, as Ephesians 4.29 says, with grace. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.